Good morning. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Please pray with me. God, thank you, first of all, that we're able, even in a small group, to be here today um, with each other. Thank you for our friends um, at home and that we're still able to learn and to worship together. I pray, God, that today, um, first of all, that we'll be thankful that the God we serve came down in human form and suffered in a way that we can't even imagine in order to understand our suffering more. Um, I pray, God, that most of the time I know that I'm not always thankful in a season of suffering, but I pray, God, that you will help us today to give thanks despite what season we're in, God. Um, I pray that if we're not in a season of suffering, that you'll help us to look at our neighbors and our friends, and that you'll help us to love one another as you've called us um, when we have people that are struggling around us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks, Jordan. One of... the great joys of parenting is getting to show your kids the movies that you loved and were formative when you were growing up as they grow up. One of the great disappointments of parenting is watching those movies with your kids and realizing that many of them don't quite hold up. Um, Some are entirely inappropriate for 9, 10, 11, and 12-year-olds. Mom, if you're watching, you and Dad did an excellent job of raising me. I love you and I appreciate you. I do not know what you were thinking by allowing me to watch Goonies and Gremlins and Top Gun. Um, But I sat on the couch next to my daughter and watched those movies and was horrified. Last night, Nick and I gave it another shot. And we sat and we watched the 1984 classic, the original Karate Kid. It is not one that disappointed. It was as amazing and magical and perfect last night as it was in 1984 when I, when I was a kid and watching it. Um, you know, you've got, you've got Daniel who is an outcast Jersey boy moving to California and he doesn't quite understand the social structure and he doesn't have any friends and he's getting beaten up all the time and he knows a little bit of karate, but not enough to protect himself. 
He meets the great mentor, Mr. Miyagi, takes him under his wing, you know, all these unorthodox methods, teaches him everything he needs to know, encourages him when he continues to be unsure of himself. As I watched last night, I told Ruby Love that this is going to be a sermon illustration. You know, we've been going through 2 Timothy, looking at it through the lens of discipleship, mentorship. And that's what I saw last night, right? Paul and Timothy, Miyagi and Daniel. You've got, you've got Timothy's a young man. He's unsure of himself. Uh, he, he knows the Bible, but, but he doesn't really, he's not really sure in his knowledge. And then he meets Paul, this man that, that lives out the Bible in ways he has never seen before. He wants more. Paul takes him under his wing. Paul mentors him. He disciples him. He teaches him everything he knows. Paul continues to love and encourage him even while he doubted himself. It's what we see in these letters. And believe me, that, that illustration could, could have been much worse Last night when I told Ruby Love I was going to use it as a sermon illustration, she said that if you tell the church they are supposed to crane kick Satan in the face, I'm leaving. So I decided to go ahead and scratch that one off. If you remember, you've got, you've got Timothy. He's uh, a young man, mixed race, uh, unsure of himself, a little insecure about his abilities relative to Paul's abilities. Paul, his great mentor and teacher. Paul's sitting in prison awaiting execution. Uses some of his last moments to write Timothy a letter of encouragement. As Timothy is leading this small group in Ephesus. This church that Paul planted. A place that was very, very difficult to leave. And as Paul encourages him, he says, Fan the embers of your faith into flame." Always pointing Timothy back to what he has learned, to the beauty and simplicity of the gospel. Don't get caught up in debates that don't matter, Timothy. But do be aware of, of false teachers within the church. These, these folks that are, that are wolves that clothe themselves in righteousness. And then here in the last half of chapter 3. Paul gets to some real talk. He says, all right, Timothy, you have followed the truth. You've followed those things you have learned and know. You have followed my example. But make no mistake, you will be persecuted. You see, Paul is reminding Timothy to follow Christ is to live a life that comes with great difficulty. Some of us get confused sometimes and we think, okay, well, the gospel, the great good news, the only good news, the answer to all of my problems. And what that means is when I meet Jesus, when I allow him to be the Lord of my life, all of my problems will be solved and my life will be rainbows and unicorns and cotton candy. Everything in this book tells a completely different story. Timothy, I know things are hard. 
they're going to get worse. I know things are, are difficult. Following Jesus comes with persecution. And remember, Paul wrote this from a hole in the ground. Weeks, perhaps days away from his own execution. When he writes a persecution, he knows what he's talking about. But then there in verse 14, Paul begins to give Timothy this great encouragement. Continue in what you have been taught. Continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you firmly believe. Timothy is scared. Timothy is unsure. Timothy is insecure. Am I properly equipped? Am I the right man for this job? Am I able to follow Paul in leading this church? Paul says, Timothy, I get it. I understand, but it's okay. You know the scriptures, Paul writes. You know those who taught you. You have known from infancy. Now remember, Timothy, being a child of mixed race, his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek. That was a really big deal at the time. What that meant in practical application was more than likely Timothy was not allowed to be educated in the synagogue. He wasn't allowed to go to school in the synagogue. That would have added to his anxieties and insecurities as a leader in the church. But Paul says, Timothy, you're, you're okay. You have been brought up in the scriptures. Your grandmother, Lois, your mother, Eunice, great North Georgia names, like my grandmother, Aline, he says, Timothy, your grandmother and your mother, they brought you up in the scriptures. They brought you up in the word. It's okay. I know you're scared, but you know the scriptures. You've learned them from them, and you've learned them from me. Don't worry, Timothy. You have everything you need because you have access to the all-sufficient word of God. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. Now I want to be sure that we understand the implications of those words. I want to be sure that we're all coming from the same place, that we're all on the same page. All scripture is inspired by God. Now that's that's not inspired like a work of art is inspired. God is not some sort of muse that great men used to inspire wise words. The original language that Paul wrote to Timothy say all scripture, every single word is breathed out by God.
we hold in our hands the very breath of the creator of the universe. Do we stand half in awe of that as we should? We can read the mind of God in these pages. We have access to knowledge that is unshakably true and infinitely valuable. Do we treasure this, love this, read this, study upon this book in accord with its infinite worth? Are we embarrassed when it sits on our shelves gathering dust? Hear me say this in no uncertain terms. We as a church have absolute confidence in the Bible. It does not mean that we have every single word memorized. It does not mean we have it all figured out. It does not mean we aren't confused sometimes. It doesn't mean that we don't have questions. It means that we believe this to be the holy, infallible, all-sufficient word of God and every single page in this book brings life and salvation. All Scripture is God-breathed. All of it. Even the boring parts. Even the confusing parts. Even the really weird parts. Every word. You have read Scripture and you have thought, I have no idea how this could possibly apply to my life in Nashville, Tennessee in 2020. Wax on. Wax off. You see? Every single word, even when you don't understand it, when you read it, when you embrace it, when you internalize it, you are learning things you don't even know that you are learning. Why do we need scripture? Paul gives Timothy an abbreviated list. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting for training in righteousness. Rebuking and correcting. That's some of our favorite parts of this verse, right? Because we love to use this thing as a weapon. David, I saw that. I saw what you did. And it doesn't say this. We love to look at those outside the walls of this building and say, hey, 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 read this because you've got it all wrong. That word rebuking, what it actually means, the picture it paints is walking with our brothers and sisters, walking with our friends and helping them return to the truth that they already know. 
hey, bro, I know you. And I know that you know this. Come on back. Let's figure this thing out together. If you've been with us at the church at Lachlan Springs for very long, you've probably heard me use this illustration several times. If you are with us at the church at Lachlan Springs much longer, you will hear me use it several more times. In the center of Bologna, Italy, ancient Piazza Maggiore. Every Italian city has kind of a piazza that's the heartbeat of the culture there. Piazza Maggiore for centuries was the marketplace. It's where you go to exchange goods. It's where you go to buy and sell products. It's there today. It's gorgeous. You can go see it. You can sip your espresso looking out over a centuries-old basilica. It will be magical. None of that is my favorite part of Piazza Maggiore. In the corner of the piazza, about eye level on one of the buildings, there's this weird little block with nondescript markings on it that you would pass a thousand times, and unless you knew what it was, you wouldn't pay any attention to it. There are various lines and various shapes, all of which represent the ancient Bolognese standards of measurements. There's a line that represents an arm. There's a longer line that represents 10 arms. There's a rectangle that is a standard Bolognese brick. There's a trapezoid that is a standard Bolognese roof tile. You see, back in the day, centuries ago, they didn't have things that were prepackaged and laser cut. But when you were building your home, and you came to the marketplace to buy some bricks, you had to know those bricks were the same size bricks as the ones you bought last month. Because if you build your house with bricks that are misshapen, that are different sizes, your house will not stand very long. The Bolognese measured everything against those standards so that they could be sure what they built would last for centuries. All Scripture is God-breathed, is good for correcting and rebuking. The Scripture is our standard against which everything we build in our lives is to be measured. All Scripture is inspired by God and is good for training and teaching. Anyone that has trained for any sort of athletic endeavor, you know that it takes dedication, it takes time, it takes sweat. Even going to the gym on a regular basis to to get your body strong and healthy, it will leave you sore, it will leave you wobbly. But the more that you do it, the more that you need it. The more that you train, the better you feel. And when you miss a day, your body knows it. You desire it. As the father of a ballerina, I have learned more about ballet in the past 10 years than I ever thought I would knew. I would know, excuse me. Do you know how ballerinas spend seemingly endlessly and don't get dizzy? They have a, they have a fixed point. 
in the back of the room, and as they spin, their head whips around and is constantly focused on that fixed point. And that lessens the effects of the room as it spins around them. Did you also know? I have that knowledge. I understand how it works. If I stood here today, as ridiculous as it sounds, and began to spin and focused on a fixed point on the back of the room, it would lessen the effects. I would still fall off the stage and break my leg. You see, science now knows that ballerinas, the longer they train, the more they spin, the more they focus on that fixed point, eventually their brain and their body is trained so that it is immune to the effects of the room spinning around them. All Scripture is inspired by God. It is our measuring stick, and it is our fixed point as the world spins madly around us. Every single word. Now, several of you are thinking, all right, Hannah, that all sounds well and good. It makes sense. But I've tried it, and it doesn't work for me. I've got a Bible. I read it. It makes no sense. I don't feel anything. I'm not moved. Now, I have these other books. I've got some Francis Chan. I've got some C.S. Lewis. I've got some Tim Keller. I've got some John Piper. Those teach me things. That I get. I love Francis Chan. I love John Piper. I love Tim Keller. I love C.S. Lewis. Every one of them in some way or another has been formative in my life. They are not the word of God. They're helpful. They are not the breath of the creator of the universe. How do we plumb the depths of such an instrument as that? Well, you start by reading it consistently. You approach it with reverence, recognizing what it is. The inspired living word of the living God, not a simple textbook to be studied. You study it at home, individually, on your own, spending time between you and your creator. You study it in groups like Travis mentioned this morning. Gathering with other believers, digging into God's word, encouraging one another, holding each other accountable, borrowing each other's perspective and perception, allowing the spirit to move amongst you. You praise the Lord that you live in a time where you have constant 
free access to incredible tools. Commentaries and study Bibles that add depth and richness and context and wisdom to these words. The story of the Good Samaritan doesn't quite have the impact unless we know the relationship between Samaritans and the Jews. Jesus and his countless conversations with the Pharisees doesn't hold quite the weight unless you understand what a Pharisee is. Now, I've got good news for you. Every one of you in this room, every one of you watching online, probably in your pocket right now has a super powerful Google machine. It will help you find incredible study Bibles and commentaries. You have access to information generations prior never had access to. Take advantage of those things. How do we study? Finally, perhaps, and most importantly, is we approach the Word of God with curiosity, with honesty, and with courage. If this is what we say it is, if this is the inspired breath of God, every word, the word of the creator of the universe. It is worthy of your honesty. It is worthy of your questions. God is not afraid of your doubts. God is not afraid of your questions. God is not afraid of your confusion. We are to approach this with incredible courage, incredible curiosity, and an insatiable desire to know. And when we do, amazing things happen. You see, Paul doesn't stop his letter in verse 16. Timothy, Paul writes, Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, comma, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Timothy, every word of this is the inspired word of God. And when you read it, God has given this to you so that you may be complete and so that you may be equipped to act. Generations of churchgoers have sat in pews just like this. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They've heard every single Bible story in Sunday school. They did Bible drill 
in training union growing up, if any of you are old enough to remember those days. And yet they approached this as a textbook that would prepare them to pass a test. That is not what this is. As the inspired word of God, it should be studied, embraced, internalized for real world, real life application. This is not a textbook to pass a test. This is lecture lab. This is to be read, studied, learned, embraced, and then done. Paul told Timothy, I know that you're scared. I know that you're insecure. I know that you're confused, and I know that you are unsure. It's okay. You have access to the all-sufficient Word of God. Hear me say this this morning. I know that you're scared. I know that you're unsure. I know that you're confused. And I know that you're insecure. It's okay. You have access to the all-sufficient Word of God. Immersing yourself in Scripture changes you. It changes how you think. It changes how you experience the world. It changes your relationships. It changes how you act. Do not take my word for it. Test it. I promise you, your efforts will not return void. Pray with me this morning. Lord, as we pray every single week, we are humbled and we are amazed by your presence with us. We are grateful that your presence is not relegated to this room. We are grateful beyond measure. That through prayers, we have access directly to you. And that you have given us access to your holy, inspired word that lives with us every day. We ask that you give us the curiosity and the courage to approach that. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen.